Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Today's very special. Today is the first Sunday of the year, and if you've been at Journey Church any amount of time, you know what that means. The very first Sunday of every year is what we call here at Journey Church Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. And, uh, and so my family goes away every summer for a sabbatical, and it's a time of refreshing. It's a time of recharging. It's also a time of realigning and refilling. One of the things that we ask the Lord is, Lord, where would you have our church in the following year. So six months ago, I prayed this for you. When I stand in front of them in January of 2024, Lord, where do you want to take our church? And that direction is called vision. Last year, the vision was pray first. And I felt the Lord say, I'm ready to get the church back into prayer. I want to teach them how to pray, create prayer as a relationship between me and them. And we spent the whole year preaching on prayer. We got pray first wristbands in the lobby today. It wasn't even a prayer vision. We called it a prayer pivot. We are going to be a church that is always founded on prayer. So Lord, where would you have us go this year? Now, vision probably seems like an abstract concept for some of us. It's not a word that we use often in our vocabulary. So even when I say something like Vision Sunday, maybe you're checking out already like, oh, it's not for me. I'm just visiting today. And, but vision is so important. Vision is as important to you, listen, as my glasses are to me. Yeah. Now, raise your hand if you wear glasses. You know what I'm talking about. If you wear glasses and you don't have your glasses, you can appreciate vision. Amen. Now, my story, my glasses story is a little bit different than the average person's glass. The average person, when they're a kid, their parents take them to get an eye exam, and then the eye exam reveals that the kid needs glasses. Well, I didn't meet glasses until I was in my mid-20s, and not because I didn't need them. I just didn't know I needed them my whole life. I just thought the world looked that way. <laughs> and one day, Pastor Liz and I were driving on a ministry trip, going to preach somewhere in South Florida. And on our way down, she had never been there. I'd never been there. We were going to get off at the exit. We both knew what the exit was, but we didn't know when the exit was coming up. And she, eagle eyes, she sees the exit sign. She's like, that's the exit. You got to get off. I couldn't see the sign. I saw a vague green figure in the distance. It was rectangular in shape. But I didn't think that was the exit. I thought we had gotten there too soon, so I didn't switch over. I was like, I don't think that's it. She's like, that's it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that's it. Then when we got close enough and I could actually see the exit, it was the exit. But by that time, it was, it was too close. It was too close to turn, and we missed the exit. And she was like, how could you not see that? And I'm like, it was really, you have superhuman vision. She's like, I have regular vision. You've got really bad vision. You need to go get your eyes checked. I was like, I don't need to get my eyes checked. That's crazy. She's like, would you just please get your eyes checked? And I went and I got my eyes checked. Wow. <laughs> and only if you've got glasses, you know what I'm talking about. Because there's a moment where you sit down. And for the first time, can you remember the first time you got glasses? They sit you down and they go, okay, one or two, three or four. 
And that when they did that, I was like, the, the closest thing I can relate it to is like getting saved. Like the, the world looked different to me after my eyeglasses. I got my eyeglasses to test. And it was, and it was great. What's crazy is that if I had not known that I needed them, I would have just been fine going through life the way that I was going through life. Here's why vision is so important. Vision keeps you from settling. Vision keeps you from settling. I didn't know when I played Madden and my friends on the, on the video game, I would be all up on the TV. <laughs> and they'd be in the couch, feedback. I'm like, man, I got great vision. You know, I'm just, like, I didn't even know. Like, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't make the baseball team for my high school. I, I, I think it's because of my vision. <laughs> my whole baseball career, dad, thrown off because... You didn't get me tested for glasses, okay? But then again, you know, it led me to my calling here. But, but I would have just been fine. I wouldn't have known until someone pointed out to me that there is more. I'm going to be Pastor Liz in your life today. You don't have to settle for a loveless, passionless marriage. There's more. You don't have to settle for religion. There's more. It's called relationship. You don't got to settle for sickness. There's healing. You don't got to settle for poverty. There's blessing. You don't got to settle for anxiety or depression. That doesn't have to be your status quo. There's more. I'm casting a vision for your life. Can you see it? Can you see the you that you were meant to be? Because it's out there. Vision also gives you direction. I'm grateful that the vision to see combined with the provision of the sign. There was a sign that was ahead of me and a road that was paid before me that could take me to where I needed to go. I'm grateful for the Bible because the Bible is our provision for the vision. God gives us a dream and then he tells us how to get there. That's what vision does. I'm grateful for vision because vision creates unity and community. I want to share a vision with the whole church so that we can all share the same vision and operate on the same goals and, and, and same speed and move towards it. Because listen, you are never going to get to the place where God has for you by yourself. You're going to need somebody because people see things differently. So it's great when we all see the same thing from a different angle. We can encourage each other. In fact, Liz was making fun of me because I couldn't see things far away. And one day I was watching her read her Bible and she was all. I said, oh, are you okay? She goes, yeah, it's just these words. I don't. She said, and then she saw it. She's farsighted. She can't see close. She can only see far. I can't see far. I can only see close. Look at God. <laughs> Won't he do it? He put us together so that, mm, I'm preaching now, so that I can see things she can't see. And so that she can see things I can't see. You need someone in your life who sees it different than you. So that together y'all can see the full picture. Amen? Vision can change the world. You get a vision, come on, Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, the guy who invented toilet paper. <laughs> Changed the world. Because <laughs> you need somebody to go, hey, there got to be a better way. <laughs> There's got to be a better way. Take somebody to see something that is not yet as if it were. Wow, that's so 
And if it can't change the world, let me promise you this, vision can at least change your world. It can at least change your world if you subscribe, if you hop in. And so let me cast some vision for you. The vision for this year that I'm excited to get into comes from the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I'll give you an opportunity to get there if you have a Bible, paper, or digital. If not, it'll be behind me on the screen. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Listen, it's one thing to hear the word. It's another thing to do the word. Listening is not what's going to make the difference in your life. Application is what leads to transformation. Verse 25, when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Notice that verse 25 says when the rain fell and not if the rain falls. Because the rain is not a matter of if. The rain is a matter of when. It will rain. And when it does, will you be prepared? Verse 26. And yet everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. When the rain fell, and the wind the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, it fell. And great was the fall of it. If I had a drum roll, I'd do a drum roll right now. Because the title of today's message and also the vision, oh, y'all gonna do a drum roll? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the title of the message and the title of our vision for 2024, it's not pray first, it's foundations built different. Foundations built different. I'm so excited about this bit in my heart for six months now. To understand this passage, you really have to understand ancient and modern construction techniques, which, by the way, Jesus would know something about because he was a carpenter. Now, when we think of carpenters, I don't know where your mind goes, but when I think of carpenter, I think of somebody like making like a wooden statue and then you put it in a shop and that's like a carpenter. In biblical times, that was not carpenters. In, in biblical times, a more accurate word for carpenter would be contractor. Come on, Dad. You and Jesus had the same job. Let's go. <laughs> contractor. Jesus built houses. That's what carpenters did. So when he begins to speak about foundations, he's not just preaching. He's sharing what he knows from his job experience. So he's talking to you now about building. Now today, whenever you're going to build a house, you typically would begin by laying the foundation. And today we lay the foundation with big, large concrete slabs. But in biblical times, they could not create the concrete, they had to find the foundation. They couldn't lay it, they had to find it, all right? For example, on the screen to my right, you'll see a picture of soil. Now, this is what soil looks like, the many layers of soil. There's the ground that we stand on, there's grass there, there's grass there, and, uh, and that, that is dirt, and the dirt, you can move it. It's very, you know, it's crumbly, it's not, not the best to build on, then there's a little, a, a deeper layer, the ground's a little harder, a deeper layer, the ground's a little harder, and then on the bottom, bottom layer, there's what? 
there's rock. Now that is what you want to build your house on. Because if you build your house on here, when the rain comes and the flood comes, that will all wash away and the house will then fall down. When you build it on the rock, no matter if the rain, wind comes, flood, it stays there. Now the problem is that rock is not at surface level. That rock is deep. In the Middle East, that rock can be found as deep as, get this, 30 feet from the ground. So if you're going to build a house, you got to be willing to dig 30 feet down into the ground. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what Jesus is trying to say. The Word of God, the Bible, is what he wants you to build your life on. But the reason why so many people fall is because they only have a surface relationship with it. And then when the rain comes and the wind blows, my Bible don't work. God reneged on his promises. God failed me. And God goes, uh-uh. It's that you didn't build your house on the rock. You built it on the sand. Now, here's an interesting thing about the sand. All sand was at one point rock. The sand became sand because the waves over tens of thousands of years began a process called erosion that turned the rock into sand. You're not listening. What I'm telling you is the problem is we have a watered-down version of the Bible that we use to build our faith on because it's fast. But I'm not looking for fast. I'm looking for foundation. Yes, come on. That's right. That's what Jesus is saying is if you really want to last, we're going to have to dig deep into this thing. And so this is the summary of foundations. Hear me. This is the year you dig into the Bible. Last year was about prayer. This year is about the Bible. And I'm going to teach you so much about it and how it can bless your life. Now, I want to leave this up here. Leave this below me if you can. You see those highlighted words? They matter. I, I thought about this phrase. You dig into the Bible. First off, let me talk about you for a second. You dig. I bought this for, you dig? <laughs> anyway, I bought this for my son for Christmas. And this is like an 80% present for him and a 20% present for me. This is the complete cookbook for young chefs. Now, my son loves cooking, so I'm glad that he enjoyed it. He loves it. It's one of his favorite Christmas presents. I knew he liked cooking. Here's what I was kind of hoping for, but didn't know what happened, but did. <laughs> he loves cooking so much that this whole week, Pastor Liz and I have been eating blueberry pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> he gets in that kitchen, and he starts throwing down. Now, listen, guess what happens when he cooks? We don't cook because he already cooked. I'm so grateful that I was able to give him a book that was able to put him in a position where he could feed himself. I need you to learn the Bible because I can't have you waiting till Sunday to get fed. I can't have you depending on me to prepare you meals when you got the cookbook at home. If you could just learn how to use it, you could get fed on Monday, you could get fed on Tuesday, you could get fed on Wednesday. Got an issue with a relationship? There's a recipe for that. You got an issue with your finances? There's a recipe for that. You got something going on with your mental health? There's a recipe for that. God left you a cookbook so that you can learn how to get in it. You dig. Put the thing back down. I wasn't done with it. You dig. <laughs> dig. It's not going to be easy. 
But I don't know if you ever dig and you hit something. I was a kid and I thought, it, I always thought it was a treasure box. It was never a treasure box. <laughs> But for a moment, I was like, oh, revelation, go. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who digs, finds a treasure, and when he strikes it and it changes his life, I'm telling you, it's work. But when you really discover and uncover the Bible, it's like you find gold. It's like a treasure that blows up in your mind and lifts up in your spirit. And listen, what are we going to dig into? The Bible. Not pop culture. Not the Bible. Not YouTube theology. The Bible. And I want to stress the Bible because, and I say this not as a negative declaration, not as a prophetic, I hope, I hope it doesn't happen. I'm just, I've, I've never been more prepared as a pastor for people to stop coming to Journey Church this year. Because I'm going to be preaching the Bible. And the Bible... It's something you know about the Bible. The Bible is the most controversial, most confrontational, most offensive book that there is. Because the Bible doesn't ask for votes to determine what it is. Because the Bible is not trying to fit into the world. It's trying to change the world. If it was trying to fit in, and then the world would just be left the way that it is. But there isn't a person in this room who cannot agree with this statement. The world needs to change. So if the world needs to change, then what the world's doing is not working. The Bible has a way. It's, 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 it's confrontational. It gets people upset. Jesus preached one time, and the Bible said after he preached, hundreds of people left him. Then he looked over at his disciples. He said, y'all want to go too? And they said, we can go. He said, why not? He said, because you have the words of life. Which is the great irony of the Bible. On one hand, it pushes people away. But on the other hand, it draws people in. Because it's not just the most confrontational, most offensive, most controversial. It's also the most life-changing, most encouraging, most life-giving, most transformational, most uplifting book that there is. It didn't make the New York Times bestseller. It's on the all-time bestsellers list. There is no book that has been sold more in the world than the Bible. And that's the book that we're going to... And why built different? Because most people in life are unhappy and unfulfilled because they've been building one way. But this year we're going to build another way. Yeah. We're going to learn what this is so that we can build our life according to it. Listen, this is the year you finally enjoy reading the Bible. Amen. You're going to like it. You know you're going to like it? Because this is the year you finally learn how to read the Bible. I'm going to teach you starting next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to do a sermon called A Beginner's Guide to Studying the Bible. If you've never studied the Bible before, and even if you have, I'm going to give you tips and tricks. You're going to actually understand your Bible, which is the next one. This is the year you finally understand your Bible. Yeah. Look, I've been waiting for somebody to... I've been, most of the time, I just turn the page, uh-huh, uh -huh. if you say so. And once you understand it, this is the year you finally believe the Bible. And guess what happens once you believe it? Matthew 7. This is the year you actually do the Bible. Like, like where it, it ceases to become a work of historical narrative and it becomes a playbook for life. That's what I want this to be in your life. And so the next three statements I'm going to say prophetically in the first person 
because I want them to apply to you and I want you to declare them over your life. This is why it's so important for me, for you to have a foundation. So repeat this after me. This will be the year. Come on, this will be the year. I survived the storm. This is why I need you to have this foundation. Matthew 7, 25. When the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Y'all familiar with this because you grew up in Florida or you live in Florida. You know what the hurricane winds are like? I don't know if anybody grew up in Florida, but <laughs> we all immigrated here from somewhere. Um, but uh, those winds, man, they can knock you out. It's the wind, the rain, and the, and the flood together. Jesus is alluding to a bigger emotional context. Because I could deal with the rain. I got umbrellas for that. I could deal with the flood. My neighbor got a boat for that. I could deal with the wind. I just closed the door. But when the wind comes and the rain comes and the flood comes, I can't handle all three. It overwhelms me. Jesus is painting a picture of emotional and mental overwhelm. Let me make it more real. I can deal with my kids being rude and struggling in class. I can deal with that. But when my kids are going through it and my marriage is on the rocks. And I lost my job and I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. And my mom just got sick and she's in her 70s and I don't know who's going to take care of her. And I'm not feeling so well either. And when it all comes in at one time, has anybody ever been there where it's not just one thing? Two things, three things, all at the same time, that overwhelm. How do you survive those moments? Have your foundation. I'm going to give you an example of how the Bible can serve as that foundation. I was in a car with one of my pastor's mentors. He'll be preaching at our next uh, encounter night in February. You guys know him. He's been here a couple times, Pastor, pastor Mark Gaga. We were driving down uh, in, to a ministry trip, and he rented a car. And I never, we were going to go together. It was a PT Cruiser. I remember because I'd never been in a PT Cruiser. I thought it was cool. And then, and then he made sure to get the insurance. He was like, JJ, always get the insurance. He used to work for an insurance company before he was in ministry. So he's like an insurance evangelist. He's just always get the insurance guy. He loves insurance. He's got all things insured. And so he's got that. And then we're driving on this trip, and we're going, and we're stopping at a red light. And while we're at the red light, out of nowhere from behind us, Hits our car hard. That little PT crew is cute, but it don't. It, that thing shot up forward. I was all freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I was all confused. And he put his hand over me. He's like, Shh. we got insurance. It's all good. Someone's got, I felt protected in that moment. He's a big dude, you know? He's like, we got insurance. He's like, and not only is the insurance going to take care of this car, it's going to take care of whatever's wrong with us from this accident, and it's going to provide a backup car to get us to our destination because that's what insurance does. Now, here's the crazy thing. The insurance is just words on paper. But it's words on paper that have power. 
They have the power to repair what's broken. You don't hear me. I'm preaching already. It repair what's broken. It's got the power to get you to your destination even if someone tries to stop you. It has the power to heal whatever injury that damage caused in your life. It might just be words on a paper, but it holds authority. It holds power. It can restore. It can repair. It can rebuild. It can repay. It's powerful. When you understand the word of God, listen to me. It's like the ultimate insurance. Because there isn't a negative human emotion in this world. Once you understand the Bible, that does not end in praise. You go through a trial, you just open up your Bible. You got James chapter 1. If you're going through a hard time in life right now, look what it says in James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I got insurance. Praise the Lord for this issue I'm going through, for this struggle I'm having, because it's, it's encouraging me. It's building me. It's maturing me. It's advancing me. That's awesome. Listen, if you sin, you make a really bad decision or a really bad choice, that's okay. That sin can end in praise. What do you mean? James chapter 5, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I, I, my sin ends in praise when it's met with the forgiveness that confession brings and prayer. Also healing. It said you will be healed. So the sickness in my heart that caused the sin... God will heal through the process of my repentance. You lose somebody in your life that you really loved? First, I you want to talk about insurance. First Thessalonians chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who die so that you don't grieve like the rest of humanity grieves who has no hope. Because when Jesus comes back, we and them will meet him in the air and will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the insurance right here. I got it. I can survive the storm. Now, I remember one time when I got into a car accident, rented a car, and I didn't get the insurance. I was at the thing that he was like, you want the insurance? I was like, I feel like rolling the dice today. I'm like, I feel good. I'm covered by the blood. I don't want your insurance. She's like, you sure? It's only $20. I'm like, keep it. <laughs> Died to an accident. Thousands of dollars on the repair. I was devastated. I'm like, dang, I should have got the insurance. <laughs> then I went home. The bills were coming in. And then I remember somebody said, you know, depending on what credit card you used to pay for the rental, some of the credit cards come with a hidden benefit that if you pay with that credit card, you actually have rental insurance just by paying with that credit card. So I pulled up my credit card. <laughs> I looked at all the little things in there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I had me some insurance and I didn't even know. And I almost missed out because I didn't read the fine print. Do you know how many Christians are stressing out right now? Because they don't know what their benefits are. What they're subscribed to, what has been paid for, for them, and they're not living in the benefit that's been purchased. Not because they don't have it, but because they don't know they have it. 
I feel like this is my divine mandate over my life for you in 2024. This is what the Lord says. He said, JJ, I want you to show Journey Church their benefits. Show them in the word every promise that is theirs and the things that they have because they are stressing out over things that they don't even know they're covered for. I don't know what you're going through today, but turn the pages of your Bible. You're covered. 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 I promise you you're covered. I promise you you're covered. If you only knew. This will be the year. Someone say, this will be the year. I get free. You believe it? John chapter 8, verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I shared this story a couple years ago. My grandma, God bless her uh, heart, in heaven now, when we used to stay over her house, she used to tell me this story, me and my cousin, Phil, Phil, we wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night and sneak out of the room because we used to just play around and mess around the living room and stuff. She said, don't get out of bed. She said, if you get out of bed, now, if, you're, if you grew up in a Latin home, you know this story. She said, don't get out of bed because if you get out of bed, there's a man who lives under your bed. <laughs> Spanish people, you know what I'm talking about? His name is El Cucuy. Or El Coco. Or Cuco. In my house, it was Cucuy. El Cucuy. And this man had long arms. This is what she said. So that if you got out of bed at night when you weren't supposed to, he would grab you by the ankles and pull you down. I said, Grandma, is this in the Bible? She said, Yeah. Yeah, I was like, well, dang. It's not in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> Crazy thing is, you know, that got me when I was six, seven, eight, nine. When I was 14, 16 years old, and I would have to get up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. <laughs> At 16, when I know darn well there's no kukui under my bed, <laughs> I would get on my bed, I would stand up on my bed. At 16, just in case. I mean, <sighs> and then to get back in bed, pff, like an Olympic event. <laughs> Long jump, you know what I'm saying? When I knew there was no man under my bed. Now, here's the deal. What kept me in my bed all those years? El Kukui? No. The lie. So many people think they have an issue with a thing when really your issue is with a lie. See, addiction is real. I don't want you to think addiction is not real. Addiction is real. But bondage is a lie. The fact that you have to stay trapped to your addiction for the rest of your life, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Weakness. Weakness is real. The lie insecurity, that that weakness has to define who you are for the rest of your life, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And what the Bible will do is show you what is true and what is a lie. And once you identify the lie as a lie, you're free to live in the freedom of your truth. Lastly, someone say, this will be the year. I like this one. I build. I build. I build. I build. 
What's the opposite of build? I don't, not destroy. Here's the opposite of build. Manage. Survive. Status quo. Not this year. 2024, here's my vision. We're going to start building because we have a foundation. I want to show you a picture of some sky, skyscrapers. Um, some of them are recognizable. We have the, uh, the One World Trade Center. We have the one in Asia. I can't remember the name, but it's like the tallest one uh, in the world. We'll get close to it. Don't move. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. 2,723 feet uh, tall. And then what I never noticed or I never thought about was if you look down, even though it's thousands of feet in the air, each one of them had to go hundreds of feet into the ground before it could go thousands of feet into the air. The height of the build is determined by the depth of the foundation. God wants you to build. This is going to be the year you build character. This is going to be the year you raise a family God's way. This is going to be the year, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm not a poverty preacher either. I think when you live your life by God's financial principles, you will be blessed financially. This is the year you grow in wealth. This is the year your kids rise to the fullness of their calling because you're doing it God's way because you're building different. Before you can go up, you've got to grow down. You got to grow down. Devil knows this. This is why to stop you from building. Yeah. This is the life we want to build. Look at it. This is real. See how it shakes? This is not a fake thing. Um, this is your life. Imagine it. And imagine it can go even higher. You know, the things that you've been dreaming about wanting to do, getting married, having kids, you know, uh, uh, Buying the home, getting rid of that struggle that's been following you your whole life. If I want to knock this down, the way to do it is to go for the foundation. I want to talk to people who grew up in church, and I'm going to talk to those who didn't grow up in church. I know we have a lot of people who did it, and I love you. We built your church for you. For a second. You know why you had to go through all those things when you were younger and, and older? Because and, when you were a kid, you had a foundation. Your parents taught you the Bible. You went to church. But then the enemy throughout your life planted moments in your life that second-guessed what you heard or taught and in so doing challenged the foundation of your faith. So, for example, if I could just think of some things, it's like, so, for example, somebody taught you, which is incorrect, by the way, that good people don't go through bad things. That when you serve God, you'll be exempt from pain, loss, hurt. And then someone you know who loved God got sick, died, passed away. You go, what? Well, if that's not real, I wonder what else is not real. And this is what that moment did in your life. Um, you went to class and you had a science teacher who was a hardcore atheist and, and, and was like, dinosaurs existed. Amen. I believe dinosaurs existed. I saw them in the museum. <laughs> and because dinosaurs existed, God is not real because dinosaurs are not in the Bible. Which, by the way, science does nothing but prove God. Also, porcupines aren't in the Bible. So what's your point? <laughs> but you didn't have the defense. You were nine. 
So you were like, oh, dang. But my Sunday school teacher said, see what I'm saying? You hit puberty. <laughs> and, and, and your youth pastor, like my youth pastor, incorrectly taught, you know, if you love God, you won't sin. You won't give in to temptation because if you love God, you, you'll, be, you'll be good. You won't. And, and then I would sin a lot. <laughs> Why? That means maybe I don't love God. And if I don't love God, maybe what the Bible says about God loving me isn't true either. Or you, you grew up in church your whole life and then you go to school and for your first time you meet a Muslim. Or you meet a Hindu person. Or you meet someone from the Jewish faith. Or you meet someone who's an atheist. And now these relationships, and they live life so different than the way you grew up. You were like sheltered Christian kid. Now you see all this, you're like, well, I mean, there's more out there. So maybe. <laughs> Don't clap, it might fall. How many people are anxious right now? <laughs> That's what it feels like to have no foundation. Wow, come on. Come on. That at any moment, your life could just come. Which, by the way, is how it feels if you didn't grow up in church. You had no foundation to begin with. Your examples of morality were mom and dad, and let's be honest. They weren't always the best examples of how to live life. And then the storm came. And when the storm came, because you did not have your foundation, and that wasn't God's fault. And there are a lot of people in church right now listening to me, watching online, watching at East, but you look at that pile of bricks. And that's exactly what your life feels like. Wow. Falling apart in pieces, in shambles, not where you want to be, not what you know you could be. And so this year, what we're going to do, listen, we are going to build a foundation. Yeah. Amen. You ready for some vision? Here are some things we're going to do to lay that foundation. You ready, Journey Church? This is a big ask. But here's what I want to do. This is what God put in my heart. For the whole church, this year, 2024, everybody together, we're going to read the Bible cover to cover in a year together. Yeah. Together. My mom, she's 60-something. She won't tell me, but 60-something years old. And you would never know because she's beautiful, but she's 60-something years old. And she had never, she'd been in church her whole life. She had never read the Bible cover to cover. And last year, I said, I said, Mom, you should read it cover to cover. I'd, I had done it uh, about five years ago, and I hadn't stopped since. And she's like, oh, I'll try it. And it absolutely changed. So I'm like, it was a one-year Bible reading plan. She finished it like in October. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, you're cheating. You're doing two days in one. You know? <laughs> Savor it, you know. But she's like a kid at a buffet, just eating it. And, uh, and we actually recorded her story to encourage you. Because I want everybody, when this is over, to join a Bible reading plan. We're going to be on it as a church. So watch this story uh, from my mom, Liz, just now. One of the things that I love to do is to read. And when I 
gave my heart to the Lord, I remember in my bedroom uh, reading the Word of God. And as much as I love reading, it's a passion of mine, it was very difficult to get into the Word of God, especially the Old Testament, the these and the thous and the seven horns and the 12 seals, it was still kind of confusing. I, I couldn't connect. And I even tried to do an NIV, I tried different versions of the Bible to just see if I could understand it, but that didn't work. I even tried to get like Bible studies that complements the Bible, that didn't work. I've never read the Bible from beginning to end because I knew that the beginning was gonna be so confusing. But then my son introduced me to reading the Bible in one year. It's a Bible app, very easy to get to, and it records every book that you read and where you left off. So the next day you just click on it and there it is. I loved it because it gave me videos, it gave me introduction, it actually told me what the chapter I was gonna read about or the book was about. But I had to do it from beginning to end because when you do it from the beginning to the end, then you really get to see how the story of Jesus unfolds. Now, I also recommend it for my husband. Now, my husband does not like to read, but they have it in audio where you could just put it on and it reads to you. And that's how he gets to learn better. So it's out there. It's for those people that, that don't, don't like to read, put it in audio. Let it read to you. It totally transformed my life. The Bible was like a bestseller because you have everything you need. You have the history, the family drama, you've got the action, the horror, the romance, the betrayal, but yet God remained faithful. So that just encouraged me to know that if he did it for them, he's gonna do it for me. And there were times when I was reading it that you know I wanted to stop or I had to cook or I had to clean or I had to do this. And you're gonna get those times, you know? I mean, I did it in 30 minutes. I took out 30 minutes a day to read the Bible. I did it every day. Sometimes I'd go up to an hour, sometimes two hours. But then there's those times that I do only 15 minutes. So go for it, read it. It's gonna help your life. Trust me, it's going to help your life spiritually, physically, and in all the aspects. I would definitely read the Word in one year again. Actually, I started in the same program, but now I'm doing the book separately. Now they have something where you can actually get into the book completely. So that's what I'm working on now. And I love it. It's amazing. It's just powerful. It's to me, the Word of God is a weapon. And knowing and being equipped by reading His Word, it just makes me a stronger person, a stronger warrior for Christ to know that I have this now and I can use it to make a difference in not just my life, but everybody else that comes in contact with me. Come on. Now, that's at 60 something. There's gonna be a QR code on the screen behind me. You can go ahead and put it up right now. This is the Bible reading plan that we are all going to be jumping on in the new year. If you wanna pull out your phones and scan this QR code, you're gonna to have to download the YouVersion app if you don't have it yet. What I love about this plan, listen, it actually, it's animated. There's drawings, there's teachings. It's gonna explain what you read. So for the first time in your life, you can actually understand the Bible and what's happening. Now keep this up for just a second. Second, we got to give people time. If this, you know, if you don't get to do it on the screen, people at the tent, they have the code. There's the code all over the building. We even trained our guest experience team members to help you sign up in a family 
an, or a friend plan. It's all free, by the way, where you can actually do the Bible reading plan with a friend. Because the first time I did it was five years ago with Joey Salazar, who works here at the church. And, and I remember some days not wanting to read the Bible, and I knew that Joey could see my progress, and I was like, I'm the pastor. <laughs> I cannot have done my day today. He's going to see that. And so I would read it because that accountability was there. You can do a plan with two or three people, and all of you see each other's progress and keep each other accountable. So if you want help setting that up, they can actually pull out your phone and they can help you set that up. Go with friends. Find people. So this is what we're going to do. Here's the next thing we're going to do. Listen, we're going to be one sermon series all year long. Last year, I preached on prayer all year long. This year, I'm going to preach on the Bible all year long. I'm going to teach you Old Testament, New Testament. we got a whole month on the Trinity so you can understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Like doctrine and we're going to teach you the Bible. You're finally going to get it. Here's the other thing. We're going to have Bible study small groups being offered at Journey Church. Bible study small groups. So we have some people who are already ready to go. But if you're going to lead a group this spring, which anybody can lead a group, what if you did a group and you just said, hey, this, this month, let's just go through Proverbs together. Let's just go through James, the book of James together. Let's just go through Psalms together. Make your group Bible study. Throughout the week, everybody reads and they come together one day, hey, what what God tell you? What God tell you? That'll bless you. And then finally, because we have a long, a big foundation this year, we're going to be growing higher. And so as a church, we're growing. And so I'm excited to announce that here at Fern Park, because we have a strong foundation, we are going to be going to four services January 28th this month. A fourth service coming to this location at Fern Park. The times are behind me, 8.30 a.m., 10, 11.30, and 1 p.m. Those are going to be the four service times. We need in our kids' uh, church. They're already at capacity, so we have to divide the attendance there. And then as you can see now in our second service, we opened up a whole new section, and then we opened up another, another section, and that section is getting filled as well. And so four services, it's going to be spread out. You're going to have plenty of space. You don't have to fight for seats or fight for parking. And, uh, and if you do like space over at East Campus, we've got plenty of space over at East Campus. You can be there too. But I'm excited for uh, what God has got planned uh, for our, our church. Let me pray and close. I want to do two prayers. My first prayer is for anybody in the room today who says, you know what, I need to go deeper. I've had a surface level relationship with Christianity and with Jesus for far too long. If that's you, I won't ask you to identify yourself, but I will ask everyone in the room to bow their head and close their eyes. You know, you know, it's time to take it to the next level. It's time to dig deep into the foundation because you're living with that anxiety of that Jenga tower, living your life on one block when you don't have to. You've got a foundation, you've got benefits. Let me pray for you as you pray for yourself, asking the Lord to shore your foundation for that strength for this new year. Father, I thank you for everybody who's praying with me right now, who has their head bowed, their eyes closed, who's leaning in, who's asking you, Lord, to secure their foundation, not to give them something that they don't have, but to give them the revelation of what they already have. God, I pray for this one-year Bible journey. It is a journey. I pray that at the end of this year, people can say, you know what, I might have missed a day or two, and maybe I didn't even finish the whole thing, but God spoke to me this year. He challenged me this year. He opened my heart this year. I learned about who God was this year, and it impacted my life. I can now survive the storm. I can now build high. I'm finally free. I'm finally free. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. 
And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.